Hey guys, Jim Cox, Devon yep. Financial Partners, Park Avenue Securities. Here today with an interview with M. Zakir Hussein Khan. Um, we've been connected for a while and um, he works in the field of climate change, but from an interesting perspective. Um, he's from Bangladesh and I wanted to kind of get his feel for where things are moving in terms of climate change and and a different point of view. So, uh, Zakir, thanks again for yes. taking the time to chat. Thank you, James, for giving me a chance to just share my views. Awesome. So, tell me a little bit about your background. Like, what is it you do, and and how did you get involved with climate change? Uh, thank you, James. Uh, it was fantastic uh, indeed to share my uh, background as well. Uh, actually, I did my master's uh, from the environmental economics, and uh, it was actually on environmental valuation in South Asia, especially on the cost of uh, arsenic disaster. And that was actually my master's thesis. And based on my inclined uh, to be involved with the environmental governance, and then uh, I joined in the Transparency International Bangladesh as a researcher. And uh, I did uh, several studies, especially on the environment, uh, energy, and the public policy as well. But it was in actually 2011 when I, uh, perfect, I just particularly started to work on the climate finance governance. And it was uh, the, my first uh, uh, ever uh, scope to be uh, engaged with the climate finance issues. Uh, and that was the first project as well of the Transparency International uh, in six countries together. And basically, you know, the Bangladesh is one of the most vulnerable countries uh, in the world still uh, in terms of the climate change impacts. That's why I, uh, I uh, was uh, very much in a key position to get uh, some evidence on what's happening in the ground in terms of the climate finance, especially from the uh, delivery of the climate finance from the developed country to the fund utilization at the grounds. And about the peers, uh, it, it has been very much uh, uh, significant that uh, our research on several issues on the climate finance have already attracted the global uh, audiences. And uh, based on the evidence uh, uh, in the national level, several policy issues have been devised, uh, especially to ensure the proper utilization of the fund. At the same time, we are very much vocal in the global, uh, globalized, uh, you know, avenue, especially uh, to claim the grand-based climate finance for the climate change adaptation in the developing countries. And uh, I uh, actually uh, been uh, the, I'm, I'm the head of the climate finance governance in the Transparency International Bangladesh, and also. Uh, I had an opportunity to contribute the Adaptation Fund Governance Standard reports uh, for the first time ever in uh, the world uh, in Bangladesh and as well as Maldives. And um, most of the cases, uh, what I am trying to give the essence that there is a vulnerable country, it is uh, the very much uh, significant to recognize the grand-based climate finance rather than the loan uh, for the adaptations. And also, it is also ensuring the proper utilization of the climate fund to ensure the, uh, the expected climate resilience of the vulnerable people. What so um, know, uh, yeah, this. what makes what makes Bangladesh vulnerable? Like, share with people like uh, why is Bangladesh particularly vulnerable yeah. to climate change? 
Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it is, you know, the Bangladesh is a Deltaic country, and for the last uh, hundreds of years, it is actually, you know, the, it is, a, is the coastal region of this country, uh, as much more vulnerable to the several cyclones. And uh, though Bangladesh had already uh, just ensured, have already achieved some improvement in reducing the number of the casualties due to, to the cyclone and other uh, issues, but due to the climatic impact, the frequency of the cyclones have been increased. And, uh, you know, the, and the coastal sites, uh, the uh, millions of people are living, and the last report of the IPCC have forecasted that around 30 million uh, people are at risk of the climate change impact due to the cyclone as well as the sea level rise and also uh, you know the country is the mostly depend on the agricultural production especially and uh, and it has been predicted that due to the climate change impact by 2030 the overall rice production could be declined by the eight percent so that would be very much uh, uh, you know the risk because uh, each year uh, uh, almost uh, 40 million ton, uh, uh, you know, sorry, 1.4 million ton uh, production is required for the surviving of the peoples. So this is fundamentally very much risky, and uh, you know, the the country is also most vulnerable to the corruption as well as the poverty prone areas, on foot population, and living below the poverty line. So due to the climatic impact, it has been already forecasted that the additional 15% of the poverty could be increased by 2030. Mm. And the last World Bank report has already um, claimed that by 2050, Bangladesh could face uh, the loss of uh, the GDP by 2% due to the climate impact. So it will be huge loss for the country. And the most significant uh, concern is that that due to the climate change vulnerability, however, sea level rise and the salinity is increasing in the last couple of uh, uh, years. Uh, not only due to the climate change impact, but also the, due to the decline of the uh, river flow from the upstream countries like India and others. So salinity is increasing. Every year the country is losing the agriculture production in the coastal region. So people are trying to migrate to, from the coastal region to the urban area, especially at, at the capital city Dhaka. So Dhaka would be much more burdensome with the uh, extra populations due to the climate impacts. So you have you have storm surge due to cyclones, more powerful cyclones. Yes. You have uh, yeah. loss of land due to sea level rise. You have yeah. yeah. You have loss of fresh water because of what's happening right. upstream, and then right. you have compressed right. population issues with people migrating right. to cities, which then. Right double or triple right. how difficult it is in the right. urban areas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, Dhaka is already uh, a habitat of around 25 million, uh, 25 million people. So, you know, the, the tiny capital is already overburdened. And, and if the other people uh, try to migrate there, so it would be really disastrous situations. So how do... How can... Bangladesh reverse the situation that's happening to make it a more sustainable, like make the country able to last? Like what are the solutions to be able to see Bangladesh prosperous in 2100? 
Yeah, the, the Bangladesh has already uh, is the first country in the world as a vulnerable country. It has uh, created uh, the National Climate Fund from its own budgetary resources in 2011, uh, 2009. And uh, also, uh, the, it has already produced the Bangladesh Climate Change Strategy National Plan in 2009. And based on that, in the six thematic areas, it has identified 144 programs. So it is actually funding uh, there uh, it is a, uh, and also some of the reports have already told uh, that uh, uh, from the uh, uh, its own budget it has been expanding uh, it has been spending around 16 to 17 percent of its budget for the climate sensitive or climate related uh, uh, sectors so uh, the if uh, the, the, the that are the uh, primarily bangladesh is uh, now focusing on uh, to uh, just protect the peoples, but you know, the, uh, it needs Bangladesh for, for uh, according to the is national determined contribution. Bangladesh requires almost 2.5 billion dollar per year for its climate change. But in last uh, seven to eight years, I'm sorry, in uh, last eight years. Um, it has already um, uh, altogether could mobilize 1.3 billion dollars, whereas per year it's required 2.5 billion dollars. So the, we have to uh, go for the external finance from the Green Climate Fund and other sources as well. Without that, Bangladesh would face real difficulties. No, I, I understand so, that you that you need financing and you need funding, but what? What do the funds get spent on? I mean, are you talking about building walls to protect against storm surge? Are you talking about... Right. Like, uh, around 40% fund are actually spending for, uh, you know, the raising the existing, um, you know, the dam and embankments in the coastal uh, regions. Uh, and also, uh, it is also... Uh, rice variety. It is also, uh, you know, building some of the cyclone shelters in the coastal areas. Almost uh, 5,000 cyclone shelters have been constructed so far. And also, it is, there are some climate uh, community-led adaptation process. Like, uh, they are uh, actually, uh, communities are trying to adapt to, to um, uh, grow the, some cash crops, uh, ad adapting with the salinity and also some other uh, in the floating vegetations uh, of the cash crops. Uh, so uh, there are some uh, significant efforts is, uh, going on, but the major problem is that uh, at the ground, the, the concerned um, peoples, concerned staffs of the uh, implementing entities are not much more aware of the real vulnerability situation because there is uh, still gaps in proper assessment of the vulnerability at the localized uh, area, which are already been identified as the most vulnerable area. So this, this is fundamental problems. The second problem is that uh, the proper utilization of the funds. Even the fund has been mobilized, but some cases it has been identified that there are some local elites or some influential who are connected with the political parties are trying to grab up the, of the funds. So that is uh, sometimes getting counterproductive for the proper utilization of the fund and which are targeted for the particular vulnerable communities. And, and finally, I believe that would be possible if the more on focus on that 
the not top uh, top bottom approach rather than bottom up approach in the climate change adaptation process like to engage the community and uh, to uh, and the community would led adaptation mechanism would be emphasized that would be fundamentally useful for proper, proper utilization of the uh, funds and as well as the uh, expected climate resilience so getting more international involvement taking out some of the local political drama would be productive but do you then end up with situations where then you have you know groups creating animosity against international actors coming in to try to help uh, i believe that uh, you know the, the you know the, the one of the uh, principle of the unfccc is that common but differentiated uh, so uh, the thing would be that the issue would be that how could we uh, just materialize these principles uh, in terms of uh, you know the uh, delivery of the fund as well as the proper utilization. I believe the Paris Agreement have already provided some scope to just uh, uh, cater some base on uh, the uh, you know the mutual accountability of the both part. Uh, because uh, the, if I can remember the one of the particular clause in the Paris Agreement in 7.5 particularly emphasized that. The climate change adaptation should be fully transparent, country-driven, as well as the, uh, is the proper consultation with the community, and also to and uh, to uh, you know the, uh, consider the uh, local ecology and environmental issue on the prior basis, on the priority basis. So I believe that uh, these Paris Agreement have already, uh, you know, the Article 13 of the Paris Agreement has already provided the enhanced transparency framework. So under this framework, it, the draft has been produced, and I hope that in, in the COP23 has already produced the draft, and in the coming COP24 would finalize. But I believe that the, the proper, you know, the accountability mechanisms for the developed country as well as developing countries required. Otherwise, whatever the fund would be mobilized, uh, that might not be properly introduced. And uh, in, in, in the fund recipient country like the vulnerable country, the important aspect is that the, the mechanism should be fully transparent uh, so that the people could know how much money has been allocated for what purpose and how it has been spent. And uh, the citizen ha must have to have the uh, opportunity to monitor their funds as well. Because they, otherwise you cannot actually ensure that the, from the top to bottom uh, uh, the, um, uh, the proper accountability mechanism. So that should be, uh, you know, the mainstream with the transparency framework. Yeah, and I at think. At the same time, the, at the same time, the developed country has a also uh, fundamental uh, obligation and and uh, from the humanitarian ground as well. Even though this agreement was not legally binding, but if you see the at uh, that upcoming times, the climate um, change impacts would create much more human and uh, humanitarian crisis in the coming days. So they should uh, actually uh, mobilize the fund they have committed because we have, what we are right now uh, seeing that even though they have promised but uh, only uh, one third fund have been uh, actually channeled properly for the climate change impacts. The other concern is that the, there was an um, agreement in the Copenhagen that um, uh, the fund should be a new and additional to the ODA. But what we are right now observing that, that they are actually reducing the OD amount and 
repackaged in the ODA as the climate finance. So that is, uh, you know, the is not, uh, you know, comply with the transparency. So the developed countries should uh, actually uh, mobilize their funds they have committed, and also uh, they would provide the funds the timely manners. Because uh, whenever they are, have promised in, uh, but they finally the delivery in the delivery and the promise period, there is a huge gap. Yes, and in the in the time, uh, the vulnerability has been increasing. So these should be actually reduced. This uh, tendency, should, otherwise it would be difficulties for the developing countries to actually um, uh, to uh, implement their adaptation plan in time. So transparency is really key in terms of just, uh, it's key everywhere, I mean, no matter where, I mean, business and yeah. obviously in the United States in terms of with what's going on, so right. yeah, I agree. Right. Um, what, what role do you think population pressures play on, on climate change? I mean, Bangladesh is a very populous country and obviously India and China nearby, right. I mean, this limitation of population, is limitation of population going forward, like, part of yeah. the solution? One thing is that, you know, the, the if, if you see the last, uh, uh, some, uh, last decades, uh, there was a, a little bit uh, slowdown in, the, uh, in controlling the population in, in Bangladesh. But what was the tendency is that, the, even though uh, the people, uh, if you see the population size right now, it is less than four with the household size, uh, almost. So uh, the, it is in decline, because whenever the people are more educated, they are much more aware of the, you know, the resource constraint. Uh, the, the, the middle income group or educated people are uh, much more, um, they are, uh, uh, you know, the controlling the population voluntarily. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that, you know, the, the coming days, the uh, human capital would be the really very much key to uh, your assets. If you see in the Japan and other countries, they have converted their human uh, population as a human resource, uh, capital as well. If Bangladesh could actually ensure the proper educations and plan human resource uh, management, I believe the, the upcoming crisis could be resolved. Because right now, around 10 uh, million population is actually, people of uh, Bangladesh are actually, uh, you know, the, uh, working in the outside the country. And uh, in, in especially in the Middle East, uh, if altogether, if we can uh, measure it, is, uh, some people say it is around 20 million people are actually working outside the country. So I believe in the coming days, China is growing, India is growing. They would really need for the uh, human resources, especially for their industry and other as well. So, I, uh, my understanding is that uh, if we could uh, convert uh, the current population into the human resources and you could uh, actually send them to outside uh, countries where it is required, then the population pressure could be reduced and uh, they would not be burdened as well. But the fundamental thing is that we should, must have, the Bangladesh must have the proper human resource planning. Otherwise, it would be really difficult this in coming days. Yeah. What, um, I know you attended the uh, COP23 meeting. What can you tell us about, like, what happened there? Is there anything that you can share from uh, your experience? What, it uh, lasted, uh, what, like a two, it was yes. like a two-week meeting? Uh, 
one thing is the you know the COP23 in terms of the delivery, it was uh, actually mostly focusing on the how to uh, uh, ensure the rule book of the Paris Agreement. So uh, if we can tell the COP23, they have created some uh, documents, especially on the transparency framework uh, and uh, also uh, for loss and damage related issues to settle how to create and uh, this loss and damage could be materialized in coming days and also some other aspects of two decisions may, uh, taken to establish the um, indigenous and community-based groups, uh, some other decision on the long-term financing. Uh, but uh, the, the fundamentally, uh, it would be really very uh, much, uh, in, if you see the in terms of the climate finance, I don't see much more uh, progress uh, in the COP23. Uh, uh, but it was actually the enhanced transparency framework uh, that was uh, the little, little achievement uh, to produce the draft. But uh, their challenge would be in the coming COP24 to uh, to endorse by the all parties of the this, uh, uh, Paris rule books. So um, uh, my understanding is that um, uh, I, I, I believe that as a document, uh, as an agreement, it is the past of the Paris Agreement, but I am really very much skeptical uh, about the proper, uh, you know, the properly uh, implementation of the Paris Agreement, especially since, you know, this, since this Paris Agreement is not legally binding, and there is also the clause 52 has been included that the, 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 compensate, the climate finance or the loss and damage should not be, um, uh, you know, the counted as a liability or the compensation. So my uh, understanding is that the coming days there is a chance of the free riding by the developed countries uh, in terms of the delivery of the climate fund. So how could these uh, could be uh, free riding problem could be avoided and also uh, to make them in the promise they have uh, committed earlier, that would be fundamental challenge for the uh, for the UNFCCC in term, uh, in uh, in reference to the Paris agreements. When is the uh, COP24 meeting? Uh, it is in next uh, December at the, uh, in Poland, uh, so uh, in 2018. Gotcha. Um, what? What would be the key key thing that would make a difference for Bangladesh in terms of developed countries? Like, what what could we do that would be the easiest thing to make sure that it occurred? To make sure that it occurred, that would make a difference, a real difference. Oh, I believe that the concrete and time-bound uh, commitment of the, uh, the finance is really, really uh, important for Bangladesh, especially grand-based grand -based financing for adaptations. So uh, if, uh, uh, you know, the, from the Green Climate Fund, Bangladesh has already got the one project uh, of the $40 million. So it is peanuts in terms of the requirements. So Bangladesh needs uh, actually um, uh, the, the much uh, more funding from the developed countries, uh, and that and second thing is that uh, to um, uh, just uh, provide the more spaces for Bangladesh uh, to build its human resources, especially in terms of the quality education and other issues, uh, so that and sometimes some uh, in some cases, especially 
uh, whenever it comes to the you know uh, the local level adaptation, some technology transfer could be to uh, could be useful, uh, especially uh, to build the uh, second resilient housing and some other issues. So that could be fundamentally very much useful. The um, my well, as you're as you're mentioning these things, it 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 occurs to me like um, you know joint ventures between different universities would right. probably right. be beneficial right. and kind of um, meet several of those needs in the the quickest possible fashion. So right. All right. Well, um, I appreciate your taking the time. It's actually getting kind of loud around here. I apologize. Um, it's okay. Thank you very much. If um, if people want to get a hold of you to talk about this issue more, how can they reach out to you? <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I, I'm I'm very much uh, I'm, uh, you know happy enough that uh, finally it uh, it has been done. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have an email? Uh, you have an email address or? What's your email? Uh, I can send you uh, in the your, uh, messenger. I'm sending you messengers. Okay. Sounds good. I appreciate your taking the time, and I'll talk to you in a little bit. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you very much.